Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein Kyle and I take turns introducing each other to films. Uh, And in this way, we try to catch up on our cinema. Uh, So this week, uh, it is December, so we're doing some Christmas-adjacent films. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is probably the only movie we cover this entire month that is actually a legit Christmas film. Yeah. Um, I got to pick the movie, and I selected Trapped in Paradise from 1994. Uh, this is directed by a fellow that, as far as I know, has been working pretty steadily, but doesn't have a whole lot of big hits in his filmography. His name is George Gallo. Um, and I have, like, a kind of a... It's not even a great story, but it's a story about how I arrived at this film. So... I picked it. Kyle's never seen it, so this is his first time watching it. I've only actually seen this movie once before on network television in, like, 1995 or 96. Yeah. Uh, So I actually didn't remember this movie at all. I just had to pick something in a hurry and just fucking go with it. So I was actually very nervous that this was going to be an absolute bomb and Kyle was going to be very upset with me. Um, But the way I came to this movie... Uh, decided to pick it for the show was um, I just remembered back like when I first heard about it I was like I think it was around Christmas time I was at my parents house I mean I was living with my parents I was probably nine (laughs) eight nine years old and I think it was just on in the background and I remember a commercial for it and it's like "Ah, next up trapped in paradise and it listed off all the actors in it and I didn't really know who most of them were, but I was like, oh, they all have funny faces. I want to see those. Yeah. And so we didn't change the channel. We just kind of watched it. And no one in the room knew what the fuck it was. It was just like, I guess it's on. I guess we're watching it. And I remember having a decent time with it. Yeah, uh, you would have got me to watch this when I was younger if you would have said, oh, that guy right there, he played Garth. And I would have spent the whole movie trying to prove you wrong. I'm like, that's not, there's no way that's Garth. <laughs> there's no way that piece of shit is Garth. <laughs> because when I found out who he, what he looked like outside the makeup, it like, it does not look like him at all because of the, the hair and the glasses. You're like, that's Dana Carvey? Like, it, it's hard to tell. Yeah, that must have been difficult for him because like he, his talent as a comedic performer is that he is a chameleon. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a reason Master of Disguise got made. Is yeah. Because that's what he brings to the table. He can be many things. But when like the big thing that, that really you know solidifies your place in pop culture history is garth yeah like people don't want to see you do george bush they want to see you do garth yeah it's like we have will ferrell for that i mean that wouldn't happen until like 10 years later but it would be way better yeah different bush too but (laughs) but it'll be way better (laughs) but yeah uh this movie i obviously i don't have too much of like an emotional connection to it or anything like that this was just like a fun pick that just based on the cast, I figured Kyle and I could have some fun with it. Uh, so, without further ado, I guess we should just get right into it. Uh, real quick, Roger Ebert gave this half a star. Um, that is a, a giant fuck. I haven't even... That's the, this is the first half star review I've ever read of his. <laughs> um, but I was watching this, and I'm like, this is going to be tough to sit through. It was as soon as I heard Dana Carvey talking. Mm. This is going to be tough. And I'm going to quote uh, Roger Ebert from his, uh, from his review... I knew the movie was in trouble by about the second scene. <laughs> and that's wow. pretty much where I was at, too. I'm like, oh, man. Okay, um, well, actually, when we're going through the movie, maybe we should, like, think about, like, put ourselves in his shoes and try to figure out what the actual pinpoint moment would be in which Roger Ebert just said, fuck this shit. <laughs> the priest with the crossword puzzle probably was like, okay. Probably. I, I get what you're doing. Probably. I mean, that would be about the second scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, this movie opens with a 
shot of a miniature like display like a christmas scene like kids on sleighs and mm. like a, it looks like there's a, a train track but no train maybe we couldn't afford it <laughs> but it's a it's a miniature they have like it looks like a snow globe or something you can actually see the the line where there's a mat so they they filmed this miniature and they put it in like window display and then they green screened it in to make it look bigger um then we like pan out to bustling new york streets um well, at least they'd like you to believe it's New York streets. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This, <laughs> this was is fil- the narrowest of New York streets. This is filmed mostly in Canada. Oh, yeah. I, I could have told Ontario, you Ontario, yeah. Yeah, this this is not New York, but they want it to be New York. And, I, you know, I kind of went along with it. But um, the music, right off the bat, I didn't bother to check who the composer was. Didn't need to, but it, it has that, like, whimsical feel yeah. to it. It sounds like... Okay, this is this is mean to John Williams, but it sounds kind of like John Williams' score from Home Alone, which is an excellent score. Should not be compared to this at all, but you know the feeling that I'm talking about. Home Alone definitely is going to come up a few times because uh, I would argue that Dana Carvey's character is doing a little bit of Marv from the second one. Uh, the, a little bit, but I mean the klepto the the klepto yeah, angle, the, the sticky bandits. Yeah, the sticky bandits. <laughs> um, I still use that line to this day. Um, there's one moment in particular that it makes me sad because no one remembers it. Um, it's when uh, it's in Home Alone 2, which for me is actually the Home Alone movie that, that I remember way better than the first one. Mm. Uh, it's the one that I watched over and over and over again. It's um, very wa- rewatchable. Um, I didn't watch the first one so much. But uh, anyway, it's when uh, the Sticky Bandits, uh, formerly the Wet Bandits, yeah. <laughs> um, they have Kevin McAllister and they're like walking him down the street and there's the woman in front of him. Yeah. And he pinches her. And she turns around and she punches them. Yeah. And just that line from Marv where he they make eye contact. Well, hello. hello. <laughs> I still say. <laughs> well, hello. Well, yes. hello. <laughs> you have to do the face. Yeah. No. Just right before he gets punched. <laughs> she lays them the fuck out. Oh yeah, that was great. That's great. Um, um, <laughs> real quick, so the director apparently uh, the, uh, this is Nick Cage, John Lovitz, and Dana Carvey, and apparently they called this uh, "Trapped in Bullshit." Because uh, they said this was a, an awful movie to work on, and the director gave almost no direction for them. And a lot of their scenes are, I guess they had like, all right, uh, talk about this, and then they just kind of had to go with it. So I think there's a lot of ad lib in here. Well, see, that's funny to me because I can see that, but at the same time, when you take when you factor that in, what we got actually is not that bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if, <laughs> if if he was not doing as much as they say he did, I'm like that's actually not horrible. Yeah, and. And like I said, you can you can see that like a lot of like Nick Cage's performance in particular is kind of zinging in all sorts of different directions, so you can tell he's just kind of doing stuff probably for his own amusement. Um, Dana Carvey is very consistent in his performance, but that's where a director would have been helpful to step in and say, "Stop it." <laughs> this is a little meta. There's like the 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 mob the mob guy angle like. There's a scene when they talk to him in person. Hey, you guys know about that bank you're always talking about knocking over? It just got knocked over. I'm like, it's kind of, it's a little meta. Like, we're kind of poking fun at this as well. A little bit, yeah. Um, I did <clears throat> I did like that guy in particular. Yeah. Vic, Vic Mazzucci. He's in, I remember, he, he's my favorite line from Bad Boys. He's the guy looking over Taya Leone. And she's like looking for the key to the handcuffs in her brassiere. And he's like, you got a niche? I'd love to scratch it. <laughs> he has a lot of lines like that in this one. Um, he's just charismatic. He has a way about him, that gruffness, I yeah. guess. Um, but 
Oh, that's a funny connection, because uh, in glancing over this director, his uh, filmography, I guess he wrote Bad Boys. Ah. So, oh. connections. Revolutions. Revolutions. <laughs> Follow? <laughs> they don't want to implode. Uh, <laughs> see, we get a fo- we open up with, yeah, with the, the bustling streets of a set in Ont- Ontario. Uh, <laughs> We get a Forrest Gump feather wallet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're basically watching this wallet get kicked around. Uh, somebody would pick this up. There's a few times where I'm like, that's a wallet, pick it up. Uh, and the music sounds like it's straight out of uh, Liar Liar at this point. It does. I thought it sounded like Tommy Boy a little yeah, bit. Act, yeah, very much so. Very um, much so. But yeah, he he uh, Nick Cage gets this wallet and he's having a real struggle. So sorry again, we picked two Nick Cage movies uh, and two John Cusack movies this month. Uh, <laughs> Cage and Cusack. Cage and Cusack this month. Uh, but yeah, he's having a real internal struggle because he's just like he's he's walking the line. He's trying to be good, but this wallet's got. I actually guessed. I'm like, there's like eight hundred dollars in this wallet, and he tells the priest, he's like, there's eight hundred dollars in this wallet. I'm like, damn. Again, to to quote Morticia Adams, you've done this before. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I like this little bit because like he, I like that the wallet falls down in front of him like on the steps of the subway and without missing a fucking beat, he just grabs it. <laughs> like like he is practiced. He it's is a, a it's like a Costanza fat wallet. Like yeah, it is, it's a big wallet. Yeah, you will gain six inches if you sit down on this. <laughs> Still, I think my favorite episode of that of that series is George Costanza's wallet. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's a good one. It's so good. Um, but yeah, Cage is like rifling through the wallet, and I like that he's, he's like, oh shit, he's got kids, dog, <laughs> oh, cat. Yeah. It's kind of funny. <laughs> and like he's making the the pained like Robert De Niro face. He's like, oh, that's not good. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, I like that it communicates his character immediately. Where yeah. it's like, yes, he's a, he's maybe a you know an unseemly fellow. Maybe he is a thief on some level, but he's also neurotic and. Maybe doesn't want to be that anymore. He's trying to. He's trying to call it quits. He's <laughs> rifling through the wall. He's like, oh shit! He's got kids. <laughs> and he goes to. Uh, he goes to a priest. He's like, it's been two weeks since my last confession. The priest's like, aren't you fucking Nick Cage? He's like, yeah. It's been like fifteen years since your last confession or some shit. He's like, are you sure you want to start things off like that? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. That, yeah, it was cute. You know? <laughs> the, okay, it, it, like this is supposed to be, I think, targeted towards kids more or less. Yeah. Big time. Uh, because of Dana Carvey's character. If it's not, then that's the dumbest decision I've ever I've ever heard of. Yeah, uh, man. I Dana Carvey is a useful tool. Yeah. Nick Cage is an incredibly useful tool. Um, but this is where, like you said about the directing note, this is where they really needed someone to jab Dana Carvey or something sharp and say, cut it out. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> like, cut the shit. Jeez. Because, yeah, every decision he made, it's consistent from start to finish. Like, he did create a character, oh, but he's, it's, it's yeah, not an it's entertaining not, character. It's a cartoon character. He's, it is. He is an actual cartoon character. Yeah, and he feels like he's just kind of sucking the air out of the room. Um, he, he's more of an interference. Like, he's, he's an annoyance rather than an important element to the story. I would have told him about the fucking rabbits if I were his brother. Like, I would have shot him in the back of the head at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Cage is in the confessional, and uh, he he tells us, the viewers, that he mailed the wallet to the gentleman, because he did have his driver's license, I guess. So he mailed it back, so he did the right thing. He still feels bad about it, though. He's worried about his karma. He's, oh, I'm worried about my karma, man. But just intrusive thoughts. I mean, there's, you can't really help those. It's... Yeah, you know, you, stuff happens. You have karma. thoughts, you have instincts, just, yeah. you know. As long as you don't act on it. But what separates you from a sociopath is you know that you can't act on those thoughts. Yeah. You don't do like John Cusack in The Frozen Ground and show up at a 
real estate agent's house with a gun because you want to ask them out. I want to see how this plays out. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, uh, at one point they have the gag that was probably too much for Roger Ebert to handle. Uh, Nick Cage uses the word transgression. Mm-hmm. And the father in the confessional booth asks, like, how many letters is that? <laughs> and Too big for a crossword, yeah, father. The, the camera tilts down and he has a crossword in his lap. So he's... He's doing his job, but only kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he also has a newspaper, obviously, because he's doing the crossword. And he mentions that, oh, hey, aren't your, your brothers might be getting out of prison. Because, like, apparently there's some sort of fuck up in the prison system where people who are up for parole might get out early this Christmas season. It's overpopulated, so, like, anybody that's up, parole, up for parole is basically going to get out. Yeah. Um, unless they're just absolutely Im- absolute imbeciles. Which, I would argue, these two should not, well, at least John Lovitz... Should not be allowed for parole. Also, they don't do parole hearings two at a time. It's I wouldn't think so. It's one person. Yeah, no, I would not think so. But yeah, Nick Cage has a loud <clears throat> reaction to this. Again, the music goes whiz, bang, 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 pow. Yeah. Uh, to tell us that things are goofy right now. And he is, I think, worried slash excited that his brother's might be getting out. But yeah, cut to John Levis telling us a story about pterodactyls. It's so fucking stupid. Yeah, it's kind of pointless. I don't know... Even the, the parole guy is like, what the fuck are you talking about? What yeah. does this have to do with anything? I mean, this this really, they didn't do it, but this could have actually been a home run if they had done the Billy Madison gag, where it's like, everyone in yeah. this room is now dumber, <laughs> I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. That pretty good. That would have worked, Yeah, but they don't do that. Um, and yeah, Dana Carvey and John Lovitz play Nick Cage's brothers, um, they're in this parole hearing, and this is where we learn both of their defining characteristics. And by defining characteristics, I mean the only fucking thing these two characters do throughout the entire movie. Yeah. And that would be John Lovitz is a pathological liar. Yes. And Dana Carvey is a kleptomaniac. Uh, yes. And I have written in my notes, Dana Carvey is making, he's making me physically angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it, the character, it, it's, un, it, it's the most unnerving character I've ever seen. What did he have in his mouth? So yeah, so uh, we're kind of you, just, you did the face. So he's kind of doing a reverse De Niro, uh, where like De Niro's kind of like his his lips are like up like upside down. He's got like an upside down smile almost. Where Dana Carvey's kind of got it stuck back like Penny, like the dude does for Pennywise. He's kind of got his lips tucked back up against his cheekbones, just it's almost like you're doing a cartoon character of a mob guy from Brooklyn. Like, you're kind of talking like that. Because they're, they're all supposed to be from New York. Actually, uh, Nick Cage is doing an accent. Yeah, a little no, bit. he definitely is. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, Lovitz just is that way, and it works. And, uh, <laughs> and Dana Carvey's he's talking like a... Uh, he, he's got like a weird voice, yeah, too. Yeah, he's talking like a, like a mouse. Perfect, like, perfect. Like a mouse from New York. God damn it, yes. Yeah, and he's, he's squinting. He's got... His hair is like upright. He, he's playing a cartoon character, but it it's a, a one-note cartoon character that yeah. really should have been dumber <laughs> and had more slapstick antics. Uh, it, it just doesn't fucking work. So I told, <laughs> I told you that if any point I wanted to kill, like if I wanted to die, I would. That would be one of my wishes is to just have Tom Cruise from Collateral come out and do the pop, pop, pop. Yeah, Mozambique drill. Yes, the Mo- two in the chest, one in the head. Yeah, just I would just snap my fingers and it would be done. Dun, dun, dun. Done. Uh, I want to bring that in for uh, for movies. This is one of those times where I like Tom Cruise. Can you can you take care of this for me, yeah. please? Boop, 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 boop. Hey Tom, you got time? He <laughs> took your briefcase. It's like yeah, this Dana Carvey guy. He's like. He's like, oh, he came by the church once. We don't like that guy. We don't like him. <laughs> it's like, he's I'll a, do it for free. He's, he's a negative person. We can't have him in our lives. 
Hail Xenu. Uh, so you, the uh, and that was the last podcast they ever did. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, they're here. Uh, the uh, I so I legit. There are some legit moments in here that are funny as fuck. Uh, yes, mostly from their mom, the lady who plays their mom. She was funny. She's so funny. But there are some good lines in here. But one that gets me is coming up. But okay, so. They they get out. Uh, Nick Cage meets up with him, and uh, John Lovitz is giving him the spiel like, "Hey, there's this my buddy. He he wants me to do this thing in Philadelphia for him. It'd be really a good, nice thing to do." Nick Cage you know, he hands Nick Cage the letter explaining what they're supposed to do, and he just tosses it out the window. And Nick Cage is not having. He's like, "You are on parole. You cannot leave the state. You have to stay here." Yeah. Uh, but they go back, they go to their mom's house. This is a nice, cozy, like, uh, it reminded me of the night before. It looks like uh, one of the guys' mom's apartment. It looks like just a legit, like, it's not nice, but it, considering how big it is, it's probably crazy expensive. Uh, and you can make it look nicer, but, yeah. uh, apparently they robbed a car wash <laughs> to go to jail. Yes. Yes, they did. Um... <laughs> Nick Cage calls them out on that. Oh my god, how stupid are you? I like how the mom loves them all, like, unconditionally. Yes, yes. That's very nice. Um, Unfortunate looking dinner, though. Like, that mac and cheese needed some work, man. It's like, this is... That is not Italian mom cooking. Oh, no, no, (laughs) they're poor. This is box macaroni and cheese. Yeah, and she she comments that it's like, I I miss when you boys were doing your thing. And, you know, I had VCRs and TVs. And Nick Cage is like, where do you think those came from, Mom? Yeah, they might have been stolen. I don't really care. I don't care. I love you, boys. She's great. (laughs) She's a peach, but... Yeah, before we get to Mom's house, though, uh, we stop for some groceries, probably for Mom. Oh, God. And uh, Dana Carvey is rifling through the uh, cash register. Yeah. And the owner of the of the building, she comes up, and she's screaming at them, and they have a little encounter with the police. And yeah, Nick Cage is trying to put the money back, like, that's going to make it okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He tries to put the money away, and then they run out to the street, the cops chase them, and uh, did you catch Nick Cage doing the flip it open, flip it closed? That's pretty good. Trademark it's, Chris Tucker. Yeah. Flip it over. Flip it. Uh, <laughs> flip it over. Flip it closed. Uh, yeah. He's got his hand covering it, basically. Uh, and he's just like, we're going after these guys forever. Like, you're a fucking rookie. He yells at the fucking cop. This cop's a fucking idiot. Yeah. So Nick Cage is quick on his toes. He, he finds a way out of the situation. Um, he keeps his, him and his brothers from getting arrested. By the way, they're on parole. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, but the reason I, I just wanted to bring up the scene, it's not terribly important, it, although it is. It, it because, is important, yeah. Um, I thought it came after Mom's. So. Because there's mention, I think, at Mom's house that Nick Cage misplaced his wallet. Which, yes. Which yes. we saw he had in that moment. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so put a pin in that. Yeah. But yeah, we go to Mom's house, we're having dinner, and... I really want to know what Nick Cage was watching on TV at Mom's house. I did too. I was going to ask you. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Uh, it has an alligator head monster. I was like, this is right up Trevor's alley. I was yeah, like, he's yeah. for sure going to know what this is. I don't, uh, but it looks like the Gorn from the original Star Trek, the lizard man mm-hmm. with, that throws rocks at Captain Kirk. Generally, when you see this in movies, it's uh, talk like it's it kind of is meaning something that's happening in the film. Um, one, I don't think it means anything is a Christmas vacation where the boy's watching It's a Wonderful Life on the TV. I'm mm. like, I don't really know what this has to do with the movie, but uh, it comes up in, like, uh, The Void when they're, the Night of the Living Dead is on there. Like, yeah. That kinda... yeah. A lot of times directors like to slip things in there, like pay homage to the things that they love. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not uncommon. This one, it definitely looks like an actual old B movie. Yeah. 
Um, sometimes like directors will go out of their way to actually just film something for fun and then slip it in the background or yeah. something. This looks I, more I like legit. stuff like that, but yeah. this looks legit old. Um, but yeah, it's some sort of monster. It's like a man in a rubber suit with an alligator head, and I was like, I, I kind of want to watch that movie. <laughs> I like when uh, when directors pay homage like through something in the scene, not necessarily on film. Like I, I don't know if it's been done, but like if uh, the motif in Godfather, anytime there's an orange, something bad's gonna happen, and I kind of like that. It's probably it's definitely happened in a movie where somebody's had an orange just kind of on on scene, and maybe something bad happened to kind of pay homage to that, but. I like it when stuff like that happens. I can't there, think of there's a way to go about it. Yeah. And there's good ways and bad ways. Oh, speaking of which, uh, apparently uh, AVP2, AVP2, apparently that's what that was when they were doing the shot on the girl's butt. They were like, oh, this is paying homage to Alien when uh, Ridley's... Oh, Ripley had her, uh, yeah. her, her granny panties. No, it wasn't. Uh, I'm pretty sure no. I'm positive it wasn't. Also, that gal filled out her granny panties considerably better. Yeah. I, I love Sigourney Weaver, but... I know. You know. We we all have our flaws. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, um, but yeah. Uh, Nick Cage at, goes to work. Yeah. Uh, before that, uh, Ma reads the letter, and I did like that John Lovitz oh. has two copies of it. <laughs> that was a very John Lovitz move, where yeah. Nick Cage throws the letter that John Lovitz was trying to get him to read. He's like, yeah, my friend from prison, he, he wrote this heartfelt letter. I want you to read it, Nick Cage. And then, That's pretty good too. As soon as he throws it out the window, John Lovitz is like, "Well, good thing I have two letters. Yeah. <laughs> like, good thing I anticipated you getting rid of the letter." The person <laughs> I needed doing the dumb voice was John Lovitz because he is really funny when he gets his dumb voice going. Well, he should like John Lovitz should always play his character from The Wedding Singer. Yes, he should just be that all, all the, time. the fucking time. And he could make an entire career out of that. He does it in Little Nicky. He's the be- He's one of the best parts of that he's movie. He's pretty fucking good in Little just, Nicky. Just because of that. That no, just, there's a reason. Like especially in like this came out in 1994. Yeah. When I was young, I really liked John Lovitz. Yeah. A lot of it just had to do with his demeanor and his stupid fucking face. His he stupid just, face. He just made me laugh. And like uh, City Slickers too. He He's was, in City Slickers too. He is. I didn't watch that because it uh, looks stupid. Bruno Kirby is not in it. Oh. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, he's 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 really I really. But they swap the in John Lovitz. That's as not Billy, a, as Billy Crystal's fat dumb brother. That's not which is pretty fucking great. That's not a bad trade off. <laughs> that is not a bad trade. It's better getting rid of Kirby and keeping uh keeping Daniel Stern. Is he in that one? Yeah, I believe. Oh, so. thank God. Um, that would, that's the deal breaker for me. And then I think he plays like. The villain in like Mom and Dad Save the, the World or wherever. I haven't seen that. It's it's a like child's eighties movie, but anyway, it, he's the point is John Lovitz can be very funny yeah. if you let him be. Do you remember um, Sleepers? Uh yes. Uh, the main kid's dad is Bruno Kirby, but yeah. he's like, but from like the time that City Slickers came out and that movie came out, he hit a fucking wall because he's got the the monkey butt haircut, like he's bald in the front, and then he is just fat as fuck. Yeah, he's very good in that movie. Um, uncomfortably so. Uncomfortably so. Uh, I think everybody is good in that movie, uncomfortably so. Yeah, I, I, we brought it up on previous episodes, but the, I think the first half of that, half of that yeah. movie is very, very good, and then the second half is just kind of like... Yeah, up until we dispatch uh, Kevin Bacon from this world, which <laughs> uh, he absolutely should have been in that yeah, movie. Yeah, there is a turning point in that movie. Basically, as soon as we start going to court and stuff, it's like... Yeah. What are we doing, guys? That's one of my favorite scenes in a movie, is that 
is that whole sequence right there. Yeah, it's it's a. I still think it's an okay movie. It just has a lot of problems. It does. Um, but yeah, uh, mom gets the letter. She starts crying. And she starts crying. <laughs> it's so funny. She's reading this letter. It's basically someone that John Lovitz and Dana Carvey were in prison with. Uh, the character's name is Vic Mazzucci. And she's reading this letter, and it's like a heartfelt letter. It's like, oh, I'm in prison. I just want to see my daughter yeah. in Paradise, Pennsylvania. Zip code, blah, 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 blah. And then halfway through the letter, though, it transitions from like this, oh, I miss my daughter, to if you don't fucking do this, I'm going <laughs> to rip off your fucking heads and shit down your throats. And, uh, but it's coming out uh, of mom yeah. and while she's crying, and she does it well. Uh, she played uh, one of the, she played a babysitter on Malcolm in the Middle. That's the only thing that I've seen her in. Um, oh. She's she's funny in this though. No, I liked her a lot. I was gonna say, you know what? Have you seen Reindeer Games? Uh, when it first came out. Yeah, I'm never wonder- again. Never again. I was wondering if that would be worth revisiting. Maybe. Probably not. Uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'd rather watch Three Thousand Miles to Graceland. Eesh. If we're gonna watch like '90s heist movies, I'd rather watch. I'm in around Christmas time. That oh, was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Nick Cage has to go to work. He's like, I gotta go to work. And I thought he was a sommelier at first, but he's actually the host. And the guy's like, hey, the manager. The manager. And the guy's like, hey, hey, waiter. And he's like, I'm actually the manager. Yeah. Um, and then fucking John Lovitz just storms in. Yeah, he just shows up. And uh, I love this little detail. As soon as John Lovitz runs up, he's like, hey, Nick, I need to talk to you. But while he's like talking at him, he just his eyes just kind of wander down to the people's table, yeah. the patrons at the restaurant. And he starts just... <laughs> Picking through one of the ladies' plates, he's like, "Hey, what do you got here?" And he got, I was like, "That's a very Lovitz move." He grabs a roll. I think he grabs a roll and puts some butter on. Yeah, it. he starts just helping himself to whatever the fuck. And Nick Cage is a little pissed off here. Um, and they go into the back of the restaurant, like in the kitchen area. And John Lovitz is like hurriedly telling Nick Cage, while we can hear police sirens like playing like very loudly. Um, it's like, yeah, hey, they found your wallet. We need to get you out of here. Like, they're coming for you. I'm like, it's a con. And immediately, I'm like, he's conning you. It's a yeah, lie. Yeah, no, there's... I think we're intended to be suspicious okay. of John Lovitz, who is a confirmed pathological liar. <laughs> he's like, yeah, that, that trick you did with the cop. They found your wallet. That's why you can't find it. We gotta go. Yeah, so basically now we have an incentive to leave town. And uh, we all pile into the car. Uh, Dana Carvey's driving. He's doing his fucking voice. Uh... And we drive off just in time to escape the police. And then we pull over to the side of the road to call Ma on a payphone. And John Lovitz is talking to her. And she basically advises them to, like, don't come home. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what do we do? It's like, well, I have that letter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick, and we get a good caging out. Oh, we do. It's a good. He yeah. cages out a few times here. Uh, yes, he cages out. They're going to PA. They're going. Uh, to... Yeah, I, I'm trying. Like I didn't catch the entire context, but Cage has a a delivery that is uniquely Cage. Yeah. He's he's angry with John Lovitz because he's about to give in. He's about to do what John Lovitz is asking him to do. He's like, you keep looking at me with this who me expression on your face. <laughs> <laughs> just the cadence is oh, yeah. just bonkers. But it fucking works. That's his line. That's the like. There's a, I have a theory that he adds a line. He adds a line specifically to every movie he's in. This was them. I think you're right because we we pointed out a couple of times like he has like comic book lines in Bad Lieutenant, like referencing obscure comic books. He says you're a vicious snowflake to the guy in Mandy. I'm like that. He wrote that. Yeah, that's, that that's directly from Cage. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I could eat a peach for hours. Uh, that face is, off. No yeah. one would. Nobody would think of that, and that's the probably the highlight of that film is that line. I don't know. That whole movie is a highlight, if you ask me. <laughs> I adore Face Off. It's 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 some it's a movie. I uh, fucking love <clears throat> Face Off, man. It's great. <laughs> it has its moments. It's one of the first R-rated movies I saw. I was yeah. obsessed with it for quite a while. It was one of the first DVDs I bought, actually. I did like John Travolta beating up fellow Scientologist Danny Masterson. That's pretty good. He beats the shit out of him. I bet that made Tom very angry. Uh, <laughs> We're not supposed to beat our own, John! <laughs> I wonder if they'll ever do a movie together. I don't even think... I wonder... John Travolta and Tom Cruise? I don't even think they're allowed... I think that John Travolta is so low in the Church of Scientology, even for a higher up, that he can't even be in the same room as Tom. Like, he would like to get in the room with Tom sometime. Yeah, it, he probably has to, like, put on the special underwear and, like, go through, like, like decontamination and stuff before they let him, like, into the same building. Or do you think, like, Tom Cruise has, like, Patrick Bateman-esque talks with John Travolta where he's just... There's, like... Because no, that was the that was the influence for the character was Tom Cruise. Oh, where they, they just, like, are locked... Like, shaking hands for ten minutes. Yes. Locked eyes. Just talking about absolute nonsense and everything. John Travolta's out of his fucking mind, too. I'll show you some clips well, later. Well, they're probably doing, like, psychic warfare while they're verbalizing. I feel like it's the very... It, if you were uh, looking from, like, from afar, it would look like they both have this sexual energy that's being transferred to each other. But they have no... Like, they don't like each other, nor do they even care about each other. But they're in a very intimate, like, that handshake and very... Strong eye contact and smiling. <laughs> so I was like, what are those two guys going to do? Where is this going to go? It's like all the electronic devices in the room explode. <laughs> My fucking iPhone busted. The Thetans are out of control. <laughs> Can't have both in the same room. It's dangerous. Uh, long yeah. story short, we arrive in paradise. And we hit Paradise, a f- P-A. We hit a person who is challenged uh, riding a horse... <laughs> Speaking of Silence of the Lambs, this is one of the bug guys from Silence of the Lambs. Yes. Um, this gentleman, I don't know his name, but he pops up in a lot of 90s movies because he... I don't know if it's a talent or if it's actually the way his eyes are aligned. I think it's how his eyes are aligned. Um, he's cross-eyed, basically. Yeah. Um, and he has a look to him that makes him look a little slow or of, like, I don't know, dubious repute. <laughs> he doesn't... Like, he's, he's not doing, like, I am Sam... But he's playing slow, and it's actually done pretty well considering it's the 90s. I'll give yeah, it to Yeah, th- there's a choice word that gets thrown around a couple oh, times like... in this movie that dates the movie big time. It's, yeah. It starts with an R, and it references people that are mentally challenged. Yes. And we're not going to say it on the air. The R word. We're better than that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, they pull into town, and they stop short because a cop uh, riding a horse stops in front of them, and he falls off the horse. I'm amazed he's not dead. Yeah. Um, and the entire town shows up. The entire town <laughs> shows up. Yeah, the entire town shows up um, to see if this guy's okay. Uh, and then the sheriff, who is this cop's dad. From Tommy Boy. Yeah. Uh, he has an accent. Like, yeah. He, he's, he's a local. Yeah. Like, he is from PA. Um, he basically makes sure the kid's okay. And then uh, they ask the sheriff... Uh, because in the letter, there was a lot of repetition about Vic Mazzucci wanting to see his daughter. Yeah. So they asked, it was like, is, is there anyone named uh, Mazzucci in town? And the sheriff is like, no. No. It's like, but we only have one Sarah in the town and she works in the oh, bank. <laughs> um, did you notice who the priest was? I did not. 
Fuck ass from uh, Boondock Saints. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's him. Really? That's I didn't know the glasses. Yeah. He didn't have them in People there. in glass houses sink ships. Yeah. <laughs> wow, fuck ass. Yeah. He's only in this and that movie, I'm pretty sure. Fuck <laughs> ass. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Dana Car like they they decided to go check out the bank and I think Nick Cage has already decided before they got in the bank that this is gonna he's gonna rob the bank. Yeah, go to the bank and check her out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean go to <laughs> What is his line? Like they're like they're just kinda walking around the bank and they're like, Oh yeah, we can totally rob this I place. actually like the way the scene is edited because mm-hmm. the the only sound is it's all ambient sound. Yeah. So like the soundtrack is is not present um there's like christmas music playing over the pa in the bank and mm. it's all very quiet because it's bank and people are just kind of milling about and all three of the brothers are just kind of milling about the bank and dana carvey stealing pens john lovitz fucking posts up by the one door like he's about to whack a some bitch yeah like he is like back up against the wall like taking position like yeah it's like he has a blackjack in his pocket he's about to take someone out and i was like and he's wearing a leather jacket with like a like a turtleneck sweater, he looks yeah. like he's about to murder someone. It's like I'm that's a like, contract killer. <laughs> I'm a contract killer. <laughs> but that's actually something that I've mentioned before on the show. It's like a perverse fascination I have with the idea of action movies or like gritty, gritty gangster movies done with people that don't do those movies. So like yeah. I've always wanted to see Dustin Hoffman in like a gritty, violent action movie. And, like, John Lovitz, the same thing. I would love to see John Lovitz, like, throw down on, like, a street fighter. That would be kind of funny. I, it's not even that it would be funny. It's just I would be curious to see what that looks like because I can't imagine it. I'm trying to think of a comedic actor. I think Robin Williams could have done it. Cause oh, he, he could do anything. Yeah, because, I mean, he's funny, but also he can be dark. Uh, well, and he has the energy for it, too. <laughs> he's got the energy for it. <laughs> Aside from uh, sitting down and reading uh, uh, War and Peace, he can do anything. I don't think he could sit down and read a book. Oh, he'd for have him. to like get up and like fold his legs over and like you know readjust himself a lot. Yeah, he'd I, be like Tom Arnold during like an interview or something, just like, <laughs> like zipping all over the place. That would be, that would actually be a nice art piece. As Robin Williams reads a book and like he just sits down in front of a crackling fire and it's just. You can just, just see slowly, him vibrating like, in his chair. Just trying to move. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it would literally be just like the neighbors would say something. Like he would just hear them say something and he would just... And they would just, <laughs> he would just, just flip out. Like, how many like, characters are in this book? It's like... It's like... It's like... He's reading a book out loud to himself but doing all the characters. <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge, we need more. Oh, his first question would be that and then it's like... None. It's a nonfiction, just biography. It's like, so you mean I don't get to do any voices? <laughs> Not one. Him narrating Moby Dick to himself would be pretty funny. Doing all the different voices because you know he'd get around to some of the more like Ishmael. Like, what's he gonna do with that one? Yeah. No. Point being, we could watch him do anything yeah. and would have a glorious time. Oliver um, Platt. I know I'm pretty biased towards him, but he could probably do. He could probably do like a series. Like he's funny, but he could probably he's pull a big up. guy. He's too. a big dude. Yeah. What I would love to see is like Oliver Platt, like do like a, a wrestling show where you like. Well, I mean, he did wrestling. Show, right? <laughs> <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did. I um, have to rewatch that and just uh, like ready to rumble if you're not familiar. Skip past David Arquette because yeah. I think that could be a fun movie if you just. Take I I would him. watch that for the show for for fucking sure, but. I would love to see, like, what I mean by like, play a wrestling angle is, like, 
take advantage of the fact that we're using actors and props and stuff and like make him like juggernaut strong yeah like have him throw a dude through a wall <laughs> that'd be fucking awesome we missed I would it. watch that we missed the time for yeah us. we missed the window <laughs> but yeah the the point is the three brothers walk in and the way this scene is edited very well is that like they're unintentionally kind of like casing the bank yeah because they walk in and it's like oh, this is just too easy. Like, Nick Cage, without saying a word, he notices by posted up by the door there's a guard. He's very elderly and asleep. And then Nick Cage takes a closer look at the wire that's connected to the security camera. It's not plugged in. And he's just like, oh, man. <laughs> like, this is just too easy, man. <laughs> I, I, have a th- I have a theory that, um, like, in club culture, like people who spend a lot of time in clubs, there's a thing called parachuting, where you can take something, you can take a pill and crush it up, and you put it in like a little piece of toilet paper, or you just put it up your butt, basically, and it's supposed to kick in faster. And I'm just picturing somebody who's been in the club club culture for so long, they've just been doing this for so long, that someone hands, like, he's like, something's wrong with my head, I feel like I'm coming down from coke or something, like, no, you have a headache, here, take an Advil. And he's just like... Without starts even crushing it and starts <laughs> what are you doing he's like oh yeah i can just follow this i don't need to kick in that quick this is kind of like, like well, no don't do that you already put it in your butt <laughs> like, now you're now you're ODing. this is kind of like that where like you forget you like you've been doing this for so long that they're literally they don't even mean to start casing it but they just are casing it yeah yeah, yeah no it, it's it's a neat scene i mean we'll find out later that the two brothers like know what they're doing whereas nick cage it's just it's just Muscle memory. It's just instinct. What like, has he been in this world too long? What's he start? Well, how does he start talking to her? Like she gets on to Dana Carvey. He's like, "Listen, you're stealing all this shit. Yeah, take it out of your pocket." <laughs> but Nick Cage starts hitting on her. What does he say? This is pretty great. Um, so the the gal that we're talking about here, this is Sarah. Sarah upstairs. Sarah upstairs. Yes. Yeah. Sarah upstairs, played by Madchen Emek. She's been in something else. The Craft. I didn't watch that. Uh, she's in The Craft and Sleepwalkers, which is a movie that I know you haven't seen, but mm. I've told you you should see. Okay. It's a Stephen King movie, but mm. not based on a book. Oh. He was just involved. I think he wrote it. Okay. But it doesn't have a book as the foundation. It's a, it's a good story. It's a fun movie. That's it's, a good story. It's from the 80s. It has good makeup effects. Mm. It has a sense of humor about itself. I like that. All it's, things. It's fun. You're hitting all my buttons. And yeah. Imagine, Minus the Stephen King part. Imagine a mech. She's quite lovely. Um, but yeah, she she catches Dana Carvey eating ornaments off the tree. <laughs> Again, he is a cartoon character. Um, but uh, I'm going to say this as Nick Cage. Go for Don't it. Don't judge me as a person. But uh, Nick Cage walks up to her and he hikes both of his eyebrows doing a Marv impression, essentially. He mm-hmm. says, I apologize for my brother. He's mentally retarded. Yes. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's your opening line. But, but then... <laughs> Uh, uh, he's like kind of hitting on her. He says something. Then John Lovitz, ah, yeah, sorry about him. He's got uh, low blood sugar. Yeah, he's like he's diabetic. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, and it's a good thing because you're so sweet. Yeah, <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> it's like put it in your pants. Have you ever seen John Lovitz? Jeez. Well, but this is a case of John Lovitz doing what he should be doing, being slimy as fuck, and you know having an inflated ego. Because <laughs> that's to me, that's what defines John Lovitz. Have you seen his wife? I have not. She is a smoke show. I believe it, because the man has confidence. You gotta give him that. Um, but yeah, Lovitz pulls Nick Cage aside, and he's like, 
planting the seed in his mind about knocking over the bank because he's like look at how easy it is it's like this is like candy from a baby (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah uh the fun part here is that cage is like not willing to go along with it he's like no man like i'm I'm out of the game man (laughs) um but then the second like he's about to leave a bunch of guards come in with a massive deposit of cash. Yeah. And they even announce how much it is. It's like $275,000 in case you want to rob like, the place. Did anybody hear Did anybody not hear that? Just check it. Just check it. Uh, and then Cage throws a hissy fit and he's like, oh, man. <laughs> and he has to go outside. He just can't be in there anymore. Oh, man. I didn't know this. What's that? Oh, no. Okay, never mind. Sorry. This is... This is about somebody else. Oh. Um, I'll, I'll talk, talk about it off the air. I was trying to find a picture of his wife, but I'm not going to worry about it right now. But we are going to talk about that thing in a little bit. Okay. Something about Phil Hartman and his wife. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they... They drive off to a clearing. Yeah, because they're going to rob this bank. Uh, they, I guess they... Do they talk about robbing the bank? They decide they're going to? Uh, we're getting there. Uh, they all get out of the car and Cage is like, Furious with them because he he's starting to piece it together that yeah. he's he's been baited into coming here. Um, and he's mad he's in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> he's channeling it. He's, he's channeling. He's, he's putting it towards his performance. But um, apparently, the car that they've been driving uh, was quote unquote borrowed from a gun. <laughs> <laughs> borrowed from a gun store, oh. and Dana Carvey happens to share that with Nick Cage, and he's like. Really? <laughs> he's like, <laughs> and one one that. of the brothers, I don't remember who, I think it's John Lovitz, he's like, would you be upset with me if I told you there may possibly be guns in the trunk? Because he's like, <laughs> like, we could rob it, like we would need guns. He's like, what if I told you we have guns? And they have, like, Danny Glover in Predator 2 has less guns in his trunk. Than in this movie. Actually, very good comparison. Yeah. Because he does have a gun trunk. I mean, it's like Men in Black. Like, they've got guns in the trunk. It's... <laughs> And ain't no noisy cricket. They have a fucking M16 with a grenade Bumps launcher. in a trunk. Oh, bumps in a trunk. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, it seems like Cage finally gives in. He's, he is upset that they have guns. Yes. He's not a big fan of that, but, but you know, you got to make do. You got to make do with what the hand, the card that you're dealt. Um, and then they go to a local store of some sort, like a general store, I guess. I, it took me the longest time to figure out what the fuck they were doing here because it, this scene is fairly long yeah uh dana carvey is such a klepto that he's getting the toy out of a captain crunch cereal box did you ever get those the toys yeah from the cereal box. yeah i remember but they were so stupid that i don't remember ever like cherishing one yeah me me neither i I was always like envious of the kids who did but my parents never bought that kind of cereal i had like we we would get like the box top offer ones Mm -hmm. but we never you know collected the box tops i remember i had a power rangers toy it was one of the one of the big dudes, so probably one of the Japanese, uh, one of the Japanese, because like, from the Japanese portion of the show, um, and I had a little toy. It was only about that big, and it was my favorite toy in the whole world, and I lost it somehow. Aww. Yeah, I, we all we all been there. I'd have to look up. I'd have to do a little research to find out which one it was, but I remember it was from. Well, Power was Ranger. it a ranger or a robot? It was a robot. Okay, it was probably the Megazord or something. Possibly, um, but yeah, they're gonna rob the bank, so they're going to get. Uh, basically ski masks and stuff to yeah, do Yeah, so they're rifling through the clothes and stuff. From the town they're going to rob. 
<laughs> yes. That correct. is not going to help in court if you get caught. Yeah, and uh, I don't know the name of the actor, but it's the guy from Beverly Hills Cop uh, yeah. that plays the character Taggart. Taggart yeah. um, he looks way older in he this. He looks haggard yeah, in this. Taggart looks haggard. Um, <laughs> and he's with, I think, his son or his co-worker. This uh, is some idiot that he works with. Yeah. I think also gets the R word thrown at him. Oh, at some he point. gets it. Yeah, there's a few slow characters yeah. in there. He's one they're, of them. They're an alarming number of slow characters. <laughs> um, but I did like that there's a moment like when we enter the scene where it's just the two of them sitting side by side and the slow guy's doing the, look, looking at the crossword or like a map or something and Taggart's cleaning a gun and the slow guy is like, which way do you think the mouse is going? <laughs> and Taggart's like, start with the cheese and work backwards. <laughs> I was like, that's such a good dumb guy lying. So yeah, after after they take the stuff from the store. Yeah, uh, I like Cage is just passing through. <laughs> just passing through. <laughs> so uh, knife hand. <laughs> maybe you have to tell Nick Cage, like, you have to write something for him to be funny. Because I don't think I've ever seen him be funny on purpose in a movie yeah i i think i'd have to agree <clears throat> um, he's he's inadvertently funny like, yeah it just kind of because of who he is and the way he is yeah. or but, the or even in the context of the scene like even him like talking to like jared leto or something in uh lord of war when he's about he's like you're gonna be fucking dead before you hit the uh, black sea or whatever like he's gonna do all the cocaine like that's kind of a funny line but it wasn't me it wasn't really like you have to write it for it to be funny in the scene he can't be like improvise and be funny yeah i mean it's funny because he seems to take acting very seriously yeah despite being a very goofy guy yeah so i think like if he settles into a character or something like he's like he just kind of like makes decisions based on that logic as opposed to like trying to make a purely entertaining performance or something him and bad lieutenant with the with the girl you watch you sit here and watch is <laughs> the funniest thing oh my god that scene's so long it's, so, it's it, all one take totally worth it it is so it was so that movie's worth just it. great <clears throat> stop what you're doing and watch bad lieutenant <laughs> port so, call new Orleans. <clears throat> so yeah they are all dressed up and they are going to rob the place. Uh, Dana Carvey is outside in the car. He's the getaway driver. I don't know. He, I don't know how he has a license, but he <laughs> has a license. This character. Uh, yeah. But they're going to knock over the bank. Uh, this bank's open on Christmas Eve. Uh, I'll call bullshit. Uh, yeah, fucking for real. Man. It's not open no on way. Christmas Eve. No way. Not even in a small town. No. Uh, especially in a small town. Yeah. Banks are barely open as yeah. they are. I mean, even in the '90s, we were still going inside of banks. That was still a thing. Um, it was definitely close to Christmas Eve. But this bank is popping. There are fucking forty people in here. It feels like. It, yeah, it, there's quite a lot of people. Nick Cage. They hotwired this car. I don't know where they got it from. Yeah. But they hotwired a car, and he tells Dana Carvey to keep it running because we're gonna be off in a hurry. Um, put a pin in that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then Nick Cage kicks the door open. He's got his fancy like shades on and and he's covered from head to toe in ski gear because they don't want to be identified even though the cameras don't work yeah um and these townsfolk don't seem too bright and the sleeping security guard yeah (laughs) who i don't even know if he wakes up during this does not because they (laughs) yell at him that's right yeah but his first line when he kicks the door open is pretty great. He's like, all right, this is a goddamn robbery. It's a good, like, I was expecting nothing less. This is exactly how she entered the bank. And they're kind of just like, uh, okay. And the, the Who's talking? Who's talking? <laughs> it's Who funny. is talking? It's kind of funny. <laughs> this, this, this sequence is actually funny. Key! Key! <laughs> this is funny. So the wife of the the bank owner is the one talking to him. She's like, I think, well, how do you know that we need a key to get into the vault from this guy? She's like, 
I'm his husband. I'm I'm his wife. And John Lovitz goes, oh, lucky him. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fucking funny. Yeah, it's pretty good. But she's like, well, he's on his lunch break right now, and there's no way you're going to get in the vault. And she's like, well, how long is that going to take? He's like, oh, a good 45 minutes. And he's like, so we have to sit here and wait for 45 minutes? John Lovitz seems okay with it. Yeah, he's fine with it. <laughs> and uh, He's like, all things considered, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nick Cage is like, fuck. So he takes her, I think, does he take her over there? Or a host? This, again, this, this movie is very hit and miss, but this is a hit. I love... This that, whole sequence, I think, is good. Yeah, this whole sequence, the whole robbery scene is pretty fucking good. Um, I did like that uh, Mrs. Anderson... Um, Nick Cage like steps to her and he's got a shotgun and everything and they have this yeah. chase they, they have a foot chase around a very small table yeah. and she's just like kind of like, like old lady kind of moving quickly <laughs> away from him yeah it's funny and it takes him a minute to catch up to her he walks across the, the diner's literally right across the street so he walks with her yeah. across the street gun ski mask and everything into a crowded diner very crowded diner and on the way he kicks the car to tell dana carvey to get out <laughs> like he doesn't say anything oh, he, yeah, just kicks back the, up, yeah. he just kicks the car <laughs> it's like that's a that's a good older brother move yeah. for fucking sure yeah. but yeah they uh they go into the diner and meanwhile lovitz has everyone singing an improvised song it's and doing good. yoga and stuff to keep this everyone... is actually really like i thought about this I'm like this is actually really uh a, this would be a good technique like as a, as a robber like everybody breathe in breathe out stay like calm. just stay calm yeah. everything's gonna be okay we don't want to hurt you we just want the money yeah, love love this does not strike me as the kind of guy who wants to work hard no especially to calm a crowd or something so yeah keep keep it cool not shooting somebody over two hundred seventy five thousand dollars. you kidding me yeah fuck that um but yeah they, they roll up on mr anderson in the diner and mm. he's enjoying a meal with some friends or something yeah and it takes some effort to get his attention so at some point cage loses his patience and just Throws his gun up in the air and says, "This is a fucking robbery." <laughs> the sir, the waitress, uh, she starts going over to the register. He's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "This is a robbery." And he's like, "I'm robbing the bank." Yeah, and he, like, he gesticulates with his shotgun. He's like, "I'm robbing the bank." She goes, "This is, the, this is my favorite line for whole movie." She goes, "The, the bank is across the street." And she's kind of like laughing as she says, "No, it. she's crying. She's about to start crying." Oh my god! She's like banks across the street like he doesn't fucking know it's so fucking funny yeah it's pretty fucking good yeah and uh, i did like um this is kind of personal but uh dana carvey it's not funny but it's just a little detail he he's just like hovering over this old man and he like hands him his gun he's yeah. like can you hold this for a second yeah and he starts picking from his plate and he's like oh man scrapple yeah. <laughs> have you ever had scrapple no now? i'm not i don't even know <laughs> my, what it is. my dad used to make scrapple like a special event in the house oh my god dad's making scrapple <laughs> dad's making scrapple what is it it's pig parts and cornmeal you lost me it turns gray when you cook it i'm fine um yeah it's I think it's like pig snouts, oh. ground up with cornmeal. Um, I think it comes from the Pennsylvania Dutch, uh, so the Amish. Gotcha. And uh, my dad is from. Oh yeah, Philly. that's right. Yeah. So Pennsylvania, and for him, like he was like, yeah, it's fucking Scrapple Day. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, Scrapple's good because Dad likes it. Ask your dad about a garbage plate. It's a Rochester staple, uh, further up north. But uh, ask him about the garbage plate. It is delicious. I'll ask him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, I was like, oh wow, like, you never hear Scrapple talked about. Nobody knows what Scrapple is. Not country, on this no. side of the country. So I was like, oh, that's cute. Did we, did. did the West Coast introduced the rest of the United States to fuck? Because I feel like that's a, a West Coast 
Pretty right. sure it came out of California. Yeah, I mean it's it's Vietnamese, obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. but I feel like it was the it was the West Coast. But now that, it's everywhere because yeah. it's fucking delicious. Dude, it's delicious. It makes you stink, but it's delicious. It's totally worth it. <laughs> you got to air out your shirt after M- you eat it. Mint, <laughs> mint jalapenos, and uh, a very peculiar broth. Yeah, yeah. fish sauce slash beef sauce. So- yeah, fish and beef. Just one of those foods that you don't need to see the ingredients for. It's just delicious. Yeah, just fucking eat it. Like, <laughs> uh, this is a plug for pho, just in general. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, they take all the punchline. They take everyone from the diner yeah. across the street, <laughs> which is a considerable number of people. It's quite a few people. Across the street from the diner into the bank because there's concern that maybe one of them will call the police. So yeah. you got to keep everyone under wraps. Uh they finally get the vault open. Miss, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, who is from The Thing. Yes, yeah, um, I re- recognize him immediately. Oh, he immediately. Oh, it's almost Thing time. It is. It is that time. Yeah, of we year. are in December. It's the hap happiest time <laughs> of the year. <laughs> yeah, the Thing time. Um, this gentleman, I, uh, I think he's played Kennedys before or Roosevelts. I can probably see that. Roosevelt. He looked like he could have been. He would have been in Lincoln, but I think he died before. I think he would have played FDR in something. He has the. Look. He's a state. He looks stately. stately. Yes, stately. he looks very per- stately. perfect. Word choice. Um, he unlocks the bank. His name is Mister Anderson. He's he's the bank president or the owner. Uh, they unlock the vault, and Cage uh, pulls out a spray bottle and starts spraying the air in front of the entrance of the vault to look for laser beams. Yeah, all uh, the. What entrapment? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not uh, quite as 100%. sexy. <laughs> 90s. It was the thing in the 90s. Yeah. you could see the lasers if you had the if you had the spray yeah. bottle. No, Catherine Zeta Jones, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, he finds the laser beams. They're about at shin height, and uh, he hops over them because Nick Cage is a lanky fella. He can do that. I probably couldn't. Uh, and he grabs the bag of cash and he fucks. He fucked up on the way out. On the way out. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You're supposed to be the one with his head on his There's shoulders. There's a reason why he's not doing well in life, because he's not a good... You're not a very good thief. Yeah. See, I mean, that is kind of nice, though. It's like, he wants out of this, and maybe it has something to do with him not being good at it. Yeah. <laughs> and you can tell from, like, the way his mom's attitude is towards him that maybe he's just a little bit of a fuck-up. Yeah, he's a little <laughs> bit of a fuck-up. <laughs> I mean, the whole family seems like a bunch of fuck-ups. They're a bunch of fuck-ups. <laughs> But not for lack of trying. Uh, I mean, John Lovitz is trying so hard to be successful, but he's just a fucking idiot. Well, he again, he doesn't like to work hard. Yeah. <laughs> so you can only lie, cheat, and steal your way through so yeah. many instances. But uh, they run out to the street while the alarm's going off and stuff. And Dana Carvey hastily puts the gas down before they get in the car. Yeah. <laughs> and he causes a big-ass pileup. And then they get to him again. And he speeds He's off, off again. again. <laughs> and they chase him around the corner and they finally get into the car. And they yeah, they're they're driving to their uh, their 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 other car, basically. Yeah. Uh, and we cut to Vic in prison. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Vic's like telling a story or something like that. Are they talking about the bank? They're, they're like, talking. He's running. Is, he's running through the exact details we just saw. He's like, Yeah, this this bank is so easy to rob. There's a fucking guard, he sleeps or whatever. And uh, this guy just fucking comes up out of nowhere and says, like, Hey, you know that bank you're always talking about, Robin? It just got robbed. Yeah, hey, listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> I did love this cut. It's so brief, but it's good timing. Yeah. So the, the other prison inmate yells at Vic. And then we cut to like Vic's face head on into the camera. And then we cut to like his memory. And it's Dana Carvey and John Lovitz in prison uniforms. 
like in the room with him so like in the cafeteria yeah but the entire frame is just red mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Vic screams into the camera Angry. like I'm gonna kill him I'm gonna kill both of them and now I think we get the FBI involved yeah Richard Jenkins Richard Jenkins if you don't know who Richard Jenkins is he's the father from Step Brothers he's in a lot I think every Farley brother movie just yeah. about yeah he's in a lot of those yeah. um, Step Brothers is one of his bigger more famous roles in recent days oh, he uh, did fun with Dick and Jane uh, uh, Cabin in the Woods he was very good in uh, he has a moment in that Brad Pitt a sat, where Brad Pitt's a hitman. I can't think of what it is I think my brother told me about that one it I hasn't, haven't seen it. I saw, my friend sent me the ending. It's a nice little, uh, it's a nice little uh, exchange he has with Brad Pitt um, in there. But anyway, uh, my, you my recognize always, him. My brother's always trying to get me to watch uh, a most violent year with Oscar Isaac. Oh, I've wanted to watch. I think it's from like 2011. I've, yeah, I've my, my brother was pretty up on that. He said it. it Plays a lot of angles you wouldn't expect it to. It went under the radar, and I think that was like his first big hit. Or not big hit, but that was like his first big film. It was, yeah, it was in the thick of the Star Wars business, but like... Oh, it was pre-Star Wars. Oh, yeah? I think it was like, I want to say it was like 2011. Ah. I think it was early. The point being, it's like, it's a kind of like a crime-themed movie, but it does a lot of things that you wouldn't expect it to. Mm -hmm. um, Which is refreshing, being as we're inundated with those movies. Oh, it was 2014. I'm, I'm sorry. It is, it was... Right yeah, I, I thought so, but anyway, yeah, Richard Jenkins arrives, and he is the FBI. Yes. Um, he arrives by helicopter in the town, uh, and there's an oddly ambitious tracking shot in a movie that apparently had no director, so maybe he was asleep and the, the uh, assistant director or the second unit guy took over or yeah. something and decided to punch things up, because, uh, yeah, we get a slightly ambitious tracking shot of him coming in from the helipad into the gymnasium like to the command center that they set up in the town and then he takes a look at the map and uh yeah it's just to establish the fbi is in town and we have some intelligent folks work i mean i assume richard jenkins is a pretty bright guy he yeah. seems like he, well, has that, he's... He, he has that attitude he's curmudgeonly so usually that means that you have a reason for it it this is more like he should have been promoted but he just wasn't quite the go-getter enough to get promoted, so he's kind of like stuck in like keep doing these same things. Like he, he's just he's used to it at this point. I do like some of his dialogue later in the movie. It kind of hints at why he's maybe a little prickly. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. all justifiably so. Like it's it's good character building. Uh, yeah. So they're trying to get their uh the the brothers are trying to get out of town, and they're like driving at nighttime, and they're like, well, these guys aren't gonna get very far because we're gonna shut down all the like we're gonna be looking for them. <laughs> Four lefts is a circle, yes. you idiot. They're like, uh, <laughs> I feel like we've gone past this. Where he's like, no, 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 we're not going in circles. And they're like, I'm pretty sure we are. And he's like, I took four lefts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, four lefts is indeed a circle. You, uh, you idiot. Yes, and then uh, a cop, the cop passes him and just starts taking, uh, starts following him, and it turns on the lights, and they are decided they're going to try to outrun a cop at night when it's snowing on icy roads. Uh, long story short, they end up driving off a bridge, but they lose the tail, they lose the cop. Yes, um, they drive off the bridge, and then Nick Cage gets out of the car, and he has, yes, Kyle, you want to walk? No, no, you go ahead. You were, you were getting uh, in there. So Nick Cage comes out of the car. And he's not bruised, he's not bleeding, but he's just like holding his side, and there's a there's a beat that passes. He just like gets out of the car gingerly, and he says, "Ow, ooh, ow!" <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most Cajun acting in this movie, maybe. Yeah, it's 
it's, it's, it's funny because it's I think he's trying to be funny but it's not funny but which makes it funny the timing is just so bizarre yeah, the timing is bizarre uh, but I did like that Lovitz actually borrows it from him later in the movie so it's like it's hereditary it's like, ow ow ooh ow <laughs> Um, so yeah, so this guy, this townie, who I'm pretty sure is a serial killer. Oh yeah, he looks like, like when he's like, Hey, you guys okay? You guys should probably come up here and get in my car. And I'm like, dude, I just watched Frozen Ground. (laughs) (laughs) This is sounding a little repetitive. Um, honestly, I just risk dying at this point. Like, no, 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 I'm just going to take my chances here. Uh, I, I, it's on, I guess the, the creek or the, the water's iced over and the, the car's just sitting there. So they're not in cold water. Um, but he's like, yeah, you guys are gonna come back. Uh, they, they take the money with him, obviously. And I was concerned about that. I would, I, I thought too. they left it in the car for a minute. I did too. But uh, they did not. They took it with them. They took it with them. They end up going, uh, to his father or father-in-law's house. Uh, it's his aunt and uncle, I think. There we go. Uh, and while they're driving, he makes them sing some carols. Yeah, to get into right, the mood. Right off the bat, that means you're dealing with a psychopath. I'm going to shoot the... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to shoot our way out of this, guys. Like, Where'd you put the guns? <laughs> Dana, give me the gun. <laughs> Bob, gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they get to the house, and wouldn't you know it, who is his aunt and uncle? The fucking bank people yeah the andersons uh who are the sweetest people in the whole wide world they're the gam gam most of these town people are the nicest people but the story is that these shit heels uh coming around and doing the right thing because the town is so nice especially around christmas i think when i was a kid that's what what i liked about it yeah is that it's a really broad theme it's really simple but it's really elemental stuff where it's like you know this is a bunch of shit heels Learning to not be so much of shit heels because the people around them are good to them. This is a good idea. I like these kinds of movies for Christmas movies because it's, it, it's just it's fun. We don't do that anymore for like garbage Christmas movies. Yeah, it's all about it's so, all just rom coms. It's all rom coms now. Like Netflix are killing it with these things. Like yeah, they, it, it's very uh, I don't know self centered. I guess because yeah. this is this is about like altruism. This is about like charity as opposed to like oh finding love or whatever. Like, yeah. Like, I'm going to take care of my own. It's like, no, this is about, like, community and stuff. Somebody posted, uh, they did a thing, like, the Netflix Christmas movie formula. Mm. It's really funny because it is, uh, it's perfect. Like, it's exactly... Didn't they just have one come out recently with Amelia Clark and, uh, I think it's Henry Golding, the guy from, uh... Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, it's very possible. I think so. I, I don't know if it's Christmas themed. I think it is. Trevor, there's a market for that, so I'm positive that's yeah, a Yeah, two, two young hot people in yeah. a movie that is vaguely associated with the holiday. Well, our, <laughs> our, uh, our BFF, Vanessa Hudgens, she's in a new one this year. Like, there's already another one. I mean, yeah, they crank them out. The Hallmark Channel, it, it exists for a reason. It's powerful. Rob Lowe needs to work, goddammit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they arrive at the Andersons, and uh, we have a tense moment here. So Kyle is showing me the cover of a Vanessa Hudgens movie that has apparently just come out called The Night with a K Before Christmas. There's already been a girl who just happens to meet a prince, and now it's a fucking knight who I'm positive. Either she goes back in time, which I have a good feeling that's what it is, or, yep, uh, yes, Medieval Magic sends a 14th century... Uh, Steph has been watching it. Oh, no! Oh. There are 40 minutes left remaining. Oh, no! She's been outed! Oh, my that's, goodness. That's 
great. A medieval magic sends 14th century <laughs> knight to, to modern day Ohio where he falls for a high school science. Thank God they finished that. High school science teacher yeah. who's delusioned by love. Disillusioned by love. Can't read. Okay, so it's Kate and Leopold. Yeah, so here are the heavy hitters this year. We've got a Cinderella story, uh, Home for Christmas, Survive, or Christmas Survival, not Surviving Christmas, Christmas Survival, Santa Girl, Let It Snow, You Can't Fight Christmas. I mean, that's oh my God, there's a barely, Kloss nailed it, uh, Holiday. And that's just this year? Merry Happy Whatever is a sitcom with Dennis Quaid taking place around Christmas. Holiday in the Wild, yeah. Uh, Jesus, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, three day Chris, three days of Christmas. I did watch the the one about uh, Charles Dickens writing the story of uh, of a Christmas Carol. Not bad. It's actually not a bad movie at all. But it's I'm, fine. I'm not surprised. But my God, that oh, was dude. a lot. But there is mean, there is an industry at work here. They haven't even touched Hallmark. Like Hallmark has just like. They have their own AFI. I, I, I don't want to get the uh, the copyright strike, but insert Imperial March here. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Damn it, Kyle! We're gonna get taken off the air. Disney's not. Disney Corporation's gonna find us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, there's a tense moment here where we're all introducing ourselves, and Mr. Anderson mentions, "I remember you." Yeah. <laughs> he looks Nick Cage in the eyes. He says, "I remember you from the bank." And he's like, well, what Nick are you talking about? What, what, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Uh, we just came into town. Yeah. And uh, it just so happens that Mr. Anderson remembers them from the bank before they robbed it. So the Andersons aren't aren't keen on what's going on. Um, but we do get that nice tense moment. And then they, they mention a Sarah upstairs. Um, and remember, there's only one Sarah in town. Only one Sarah in town. Um, Mr. <laughs> so these these people are the best people that ever existed. Apparently, yeah. Mr. Anderson gives them presents with presumably clothes in them because they're they came in from the snow. They're all wet and like need to get cleaned up and stuff. So right right off the bat, they've been given shelter and free clothes in the form of Christmas presents. Um, and then Sarah upstairs comes downstairs, uh, and she has a little chat with Nick Cage. Um, and this I don't know why, but this was maybe my biggest laugh in the whole movie. Just for some fucking reason, the timing of this was just hilarious to me. So Nick Cage is, he's a little smitten. I mean, matching a mech is quite lovely person. Mm -hmm. Sarah upstairs. And she's talking to him. And at some point, he's like kind of trailing off. And he does, he's trying to find his words. And at some point, he just like raises his arm and he points out of the frame. He says, and there's a three-legged dog there staring at me. <laughs> and then we do a hard cut to just a three-legged dog just in the middle of the room. <laughs> And apparently it was just there the whole time. Well, apparently the director had a real um, um, Marlon Brando on the set of The Island of Dr. Moreau. He saw this dog, this three-legged dog with a guy that was kind of in the town. He's oh. like, I want that in the movie. Oh. I want the dog in the movie. Like, the little person from The Island of Dr. Moreau. He's just like, this guy's going to be a star. Yeah, this little guy should be in the movie. He's like, the oh, that's what Dana Carvey's doing there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> figured it out. Um yeah, the dog's name in the credits is Tripod, and he's cute. He's adorable. Very, he's adorable very, too. he's very cute. But I just love that cut. Right? It's just like it's just like a non sequitur. Just and there's a three like a dog there staring at me. There is a scene. I mean, during this scene, um, they're kind of like acting like they don't know don't know what happened at the bank. We mm -hmm. got the guy that owns the bank. He's like, well, the bank got robbed today, mm -hmm. and Nick Cage. I, I could not find this clip, but it's worth watching this movie just to see his face. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah. His reaction, like, he reacts, like, five times in five seconds. Like, oh, 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 oh. So, imagine imagine Marky Mark in The Happening when, yes. when the old lady is confronting him about, yeah. like, the lemonade or whatever. <laughs> no, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, no. It, he's doing that, but with his face. Mm-hmm. No words. And he's just in the, he's, like, practically in the center of the frame. And it's like... You don't even have to be looking for it. He's making a fucking spectacle of himself. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So Vic has escaped from prison. Yeah, we see a newscast and John Lovitz freaks the fuck out a yeah. little bit. But he, he keeps it under his hat. Yeah. Because nobody else knows about Vic. Uh, yeah, so they're... Uh, this, this is good. So Vic has their mom. Uh, he's he's like... Rum- I think he's rummaging around, in their, rummaging around their apartment. Yeah, Lovitz calls mom and Vic answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did love Vic's line here. It's like, you give me that money, I'm gonna throw your mother out the window. I don't think she can fly, can she? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Jesus, that escalated quickly. Like, Jesus, you gonna throw her out the window? She's really It's not throw, Kyle. It's troll. Troll, I'm sorry. Throw your mother out the window. <laughs> uh, that is... There's a... Ah, never mind. Um... <laughs> Uh, uh, so but yeah. yeah, Lovitz doesn't tell Cage about Vic, so he's like pretending to be talking to his mom while Vic is fucking cursing in his ear. Yeah. Um, and I did like that he hangs up before Cage can grab the phone from him. He's like, oh, did, did you want to talk to her? And he's like, yes, I wanted to talk to her. It's like, Cage, what are you doing? So uh, they have to take a train to Pennsylvania, and uh, the lady, um, what's her name, Sarah, upstairs? Yeah, uh, we have dinner and things get really awkward really fast. Yeah, uh, because Cage, again, uh, this actually plays into his character. Um, he does mention after the phone call with uh, with Vic that he's like, "I'm starting to like these people, and I don't like it." It's like I just robbed them. I don't want to get to know them. Yeah. Uh, so you can tell his like neuroticism is kind of like percolating. Yeah. yeah, it's percolating to the surface here. And uh, during dinner, it rears its ugly head, and he he won't let it go. So, like, everyone else at the dinner table just wants to have a nice dinner. Like, yeah. the, the hosts, like, Mr. An- Mr. and Mrs. Anderson. But Cage keeps, like, asking questions about the bank, like, the, the health and the state of the bank. Yeah. And it comes to light that, like, the bank is going to get shut down because Mr. Anderson's been doing too many, like... Under- nice things. Yeah, too many, like, handshake agreements as opposed to, like, you know, actually doing credit research on like clients and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> like, actually being a fucking banker. He's going to tank the bank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but then, like, Sarah upstairs, she apparently just has enough of it. It's, like, uncomfortable for her. So she just, like, leaves the room and comes back. And she's like, so, uh, I called the bus station. There's a bus to Philly. You should probably go. You yeah. should probably go. Yeah. And so they, they she, do. They just jump right up. Yeah. Um, so it, dinner's just interrupted. And she's just like, you, you guys got to go. <laughs> and the, the guy's like, oh, you guys need a few bucks? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's like, yeah, 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 take a few bucks. He's like, no, 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 you've been too kind. Like, you pieces of shit. They take, they take the, the money. They take the money. Uh, and then we get another shot with, uh, her name's Florence Stanley playing the mother, uh, Edna, in the car. And this, I love this scene of her, like, like annoying them, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She starts fucking singing in the car. And her, I, like, like, I like when they call her Edna. <laughs> I didn't even notice it. Like, so, like, she's a... She's a traditional older woman. Yes, yes. She is the matriarch, god damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and like Vic and his guy, I think his name is Caesar. <laughs> That's appropriate. Yeah. Caesar like like calls her Edna and tells her to like shut up. And she's like, Edna? You call me Mrs. Mrs. Furpo, you yeah. son of a bitch. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> and then she starts singing. <laughs> she starts singing. It's pretty funny. She has a voice that's yes. like it's very obnoxious. It's very nasally. And it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, they they get to the, they're going to the train station, but Ed like he sees them leaving the the guy, and he's figured it out. He's like, they definitely robbed that bank. We're gonna steal the yeah, money. Yeah, Taggart them. and his uh, slow buddy are have been tailing them, and Taggart arrives at the bus station with them, and uh, <laughs> we get a really sad scene where Nick Cage is trying to pay for tickets at the bus station, and he doesn't have enough money. He can't pay for the tickets, and so he starts rummaging through his pockets, and then he's like, oh, wait, I have a bag of $275,000 on me. I should probably check that. So he bends over, but then some cops come into the room, and he's like, maybe not now. (laughs) So he he talks to the cashier, and he's trying to explain, I'm sorry, I, I just don't have it. And she ends up comping him the tickets. This is like fucking Dennis Nedry in Jurassic Park. He's just been handed like half a million dollars. And uh, he's like, won't you pay for dinner? Won't you pay for my lunch too, you piece of shit, Dot- Dotson? <laughs> Don't get cheap on Don't me, Dotson. Don't get cheap on me, Dotson. Um, but yeah, he uh, he does accept the tickets. Um, again, there's a reason why the name of this town is Paradise, I guess. Um, and then he goes outside and... We have some shenanigans here where... <laughs> I've got it, too. Uh, you want to do this one? I got, oh, I got, I got the oohs and the owls. You get the you get this one, I guess. So, so there's some shenanigans when we get outside. And Taggart is trying to ambush him. But then the FBI also happen to be in the area as well. And they're going to search the bag. Yeah, and they want to search Nick Cage's bag. But then Taggart's buddy gets overzealous and rushes in there. Something happens and Nick Cage gets a hold of a gun. Yeah, and... Uh... He pops off a couple rounds, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he yeah get, into the ground. So yeah, Ed's trying to take the bag, and he takes the gun. And he, boom, 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 and he's like, he's got a gun! Oh my god, he's got a gun! It's so, <laughs> it's very Wicker Man esque. It's so funny. It's it's like a decade prior to Wicker Man, but it's like, oh my god, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, he's it, it's trailing up on the end. It, it's really funny. It's Cajun. At its best. I, I like him being sarcastic. It's, I think that's that's his move. You need him yelling and being sarcastic. Yeah, it it was really. He's funny. intentionally trying to make a scene. Yeah, <laughs> and it works. It works. Yeah. Uh, this is where they put Edna in the trunk because she won't stop singing. Yeah. Um, and then there's um, they get the the money back, but there's some kind. Of, is there a chase here? Yeah, we we get the money back, and we also don't have a vehicle now yeah because we just got dropped off by sarah upstairs now what do we do nick cage is smoking in the snow because yeah. apparently he's nervous yeah. <laughs> and he does have a line here no our ride's gone shit <laughs> but again his voice goes way up like shit <laughs> but um we cut back to the fbi headquarters and i did love that the deputies are playing basketball yeah <laughs> like richard jenkins is trying to fucking do his fucking job and get home for Christmas, and you can hear the you can boom, hear the distinctive boom. sound of a basketball in a basketball they're court. They're so loud in there, yeah. yeah. And they're playing ball, and like eventually someone says, "Park down in there." Yeah. <laughs> and Phil Hart, park down in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, Richard, I love that. Uh, Richard Jenkins gets a tip from like some local kids about a car that fell off the road. Yeah, the, the Furpo Brothers' car, um, and then he high fives one of them. And he just has this very Richard Jenkins moment where he's like holding his wrist, like he just hurt himself. <laughs> like, and his face is just—it just goes white, and he's just like, "Nobody saw that." Um, but yeah, the boys—they're plan now—is to steal a rowboat. Ill-advised in this weather. Yeah, ill-advised, um, big time. But uh, outside, or well, inside rather, uh, the house that they're stealing the boat from—they're playing polka music and playing with balloons. They're old people. They're very old people. <laughs> and uh, then they they head out onto the river, and it's like this is 
probably not safe. And meanwhile, yeah, Vic and Caesar have stuffed Ma into the trunk. They did say they were going to do that. Yeah. And they meant it. Vic strikes me as the kind of guy who says what he means and does what he says. Yeah. <laughs> oh, get... he's the guy who's going to break uh, in Michael in the Armageddon. He's going to break Steve Buscemi's legs. He's the lone shark. Oh, yeah, you're right. He's been in the Michael Bay movies. I mean, he, he has that way about him. Where it's like he... he Plays a good stereotype, put it that way. Scratchy thing you like, you blue-eyed bitch. That's <laughs> <laughs> the funniest shit. So we're on the river, and a chopper happens by, and everybody kind of panics a bit. Dana Carvey falls into the water, and I was getting flashbacks to Homeward Bound. Yeah. When the when the dog goes, in, the cat goes into the river. Jesus. It's like, oh my god. Oh, Alvin would be dead, by the way. That is cold-ass water. Dana Carvey, and the, well, it's also rapids. It's not like just, it's not... Leo and like oh this is like a yeah this is a big river like these are a little bit more uh, a little more rough I would well, say what's kind of shocking again this this is probably second unit this is probably the director was doing his business and the second unit director was like okay stunt work I'll handle this and there's some good fucking stunts in this movie this being one of them did you ever see Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back uh, parts of it. So Gus Van Sant, who directed Goodwill Hunting, and yeah, that like yeah. all like they, everybody a part of that film, they just they went on to do mostly great things. Gus Van Sant didn't really, but that was a, a big hit he, for him. He has a peculiar filmography. Yeah, he's kind of like um, if uh, Jim Jarmusch uh, went to a better school. I feel like he just no, kind of has. His I own. have some friends that like his stuff. I think Elephant is yeah, one. I think so. Um, they 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 like his stuff. I have no concept of what it is <laughs> but they're in james hubbub strike back they're making goodwill hunting part two and oh yeah you, you sent me that i think yeah and and they like just, them apples <laughs> he's like he's in there um so gus and gus van sanch just sitting there it's him making a cameo just like counting money he's like i'm busy <laughs> and then they come back again they're like gus you want actually he's like jesus ben i said i'm busy <laughs> <laughs> like still counting the money and when you mention that I'm like it kind of feels like this was the case like yeah, he's just like doing crosswords or something I, I said I'm busy yeah <laughs> well I mean I know George Gallo has writing credits so maybe that's more his speed do you think he's fucking Coppola in his fucking trailer in Cambodia like I gotta rewrite the whole fucking stuff well, I mean there's a again. reason why writers write and directors direct sometimes yeah. it's like you know the level of control that you get over something if you're a writer you have 100% control over the product and as, a direct, as a director, you have actors carrying out the orders given to them. Yeah. So there's gotta, a chance that their delivery or their blocking isn't going to match your vision. Oh, he it's, did. It's probably very frustrating for for somebody who's used to having something be entirely theirs. He wrote bigger. Um, the about bodybuilding. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that in his filmography. I haven't seen that movie, but uh, sounded fascinating. And I think there's a dude playing Arnold in there who. Seems like a terrifying guy. Yeah. Terrifying? That's not a word that comes no. to mind with Arnold. No, just the guy who plays him is just, like, fucking huge. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. He looks like him, too. Oh, I know him. Uh, he's Australian. He's a year younger than me. Yeah, he. Uh, um, he. they did, like, two or three more Pumping Iron movies, and he's one of the main subjects of one of them. Oh, and he was actually... Not as successful as he wanted to be in that mm. documentary, <laughs> which is fascinating because uh, they actually had a scene where um, he tries to get into acting and he sucks. He's terrible. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, he thinks he has the look and it's like, oh, everything should just unfold for me. You know, it's like, I have the look. I put in the hours. Why isn't this working? It's like, because you suck. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like, yeah, you're ridiculously handsome and jacked and Australian, which is a big plus apparently in Hollywood. Yeah, it's a big plus. <laughs> but no, his acting ability in his auditions were terrible. I can believe it. Um, but yeah, he was the main subject of one of those. I uh, forget which pumping iron it was. It was like Generation Iron 2 or 3. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, Dana Carvey goes into the river, and it's freezing water. It's rapids, and like I said, this is legit stunt work. They put a man yeah. <laughs> in a river, and it looks dangerous as fuck. <laughs> yeah, it does look super dangerous. Um, and then he gets hung up on a rock, and some old people form a human chain. It's This is actually, I kind of laughed at this, because these people are, these dudes are pretty old. They're very And old. they're making a human chain into freezing waters yeah. when John Lovitz and Nick Cage are right there and could help save their brother. I mean, they're running, they can't get there in time, but these old folks fish him out oh, of water. They and get there. They save his ass, and they bring him inside, and I noted a few times in this movie, like, three or four times there's the most stock door sound door opening sound you've ever heard mm-hmm. it happens multiple times in this movie and every time i winced when I heard it. it's just like that that generic creaking sound but yeah they lay him down at the fire in their home uh, an old man gives him cpr and I, I said in my notes oh fuck lovitz and cage look like they legit cried like, yeah like they look legit like upset that their brother's almost dying <laughs> for some the they end up in a cemetery at one point there's a nice joke with the old man uh he's like let me get a he's like let me get a towel and a brandy like he no oh, yeah that's in this scene yeah um like the old man gives resuscitates dana carvey and he stands up and he's like well that's done it's like let's get us let's get some soup and brandy and the, la- the old lady in the back she's like how about how about brandy in soup and he's like no the brandy's for me ha <laughs> brandy's for me <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny yeah that's uh, cute they're having they're doing they're having a talk in a cemetery. I couldn't care less. For some reason, I was reading trivia about Beetlejuice. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why Beetlejuice popped in my head while I was watching this. Okay. Um, but I was thinking, I'm like, you know, the movies that they're like they're doing sequels for like way too late now. Like it's just way too late. A Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Beetlejuice two, right now, I would totally be fine with. Well, they had a script. They did. Yeah. And Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. Yeah. Like, but, it was in the planning stages way back when. And I guess apparently, like, that's still something that's, like, being kicked around. Like, I would totally be behind well, that. They already had their reunion with Dumbo. Did they? Yes. I want another. Danny DeVito and Michael Keaton. I want a, Dan- I want, I want a Beetlejuice too. I'm fine with it. Now. I wouldn't mind. Like, yeah, today. Absolutely. Bring it on. I what? love Beetlejuice. It's one of my favorites. Uh, so, yeah. But yeah, we, we go to the church. I love. And- this is good. Before we get to the good, um, the old lady that they're escorting to the church that was one of the old ladies that helped fish Dana Carvey out of the river. Mm-hmm. It's the old lady that stunk up the airplane toilet in Tommy Boy. I am 100% sure. It's very possible. <laughs> I don't know her name, but I know that face. And no. she got her own music cue in Tommy Boy because she is heavy set and it's... she stunk up that toilet. Man, there's a half hour time limit. <laughs> <laughs> and then the... the, the the tubas come in the because she's heavy <laughs> uh, but yeah we, we pull up to the church and uh matching a mech is there sarah upstairs she pulls cage aside she knows he knows so yeah. basically they have two secrets he knows that she is vic mazucci's daughter she knows that he's he robbed from the bank Dana Carvey's gonna go. He's like, I'm gonna go to confession, and John Love is like, they don't have confession. They're, they're pes- Protestant. They're Protestant. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pointless, but it's fun. Uh, but they get into a horse and carriage police chase. Yeah, there, uh, there's an important exchange between Cage and and a uh, Mansion Mick. Uh, 
he asks her, do you think people change? And she... Yes. She has some stuff about, like, depends on... No, he has some stuff about, like, it depends on the, the, the road, I guess. And she says it depends on the person. Um, then they happen upon a grave, and uh, Cage has a... Actually, it's a decent line. Like, it's, you could use this elsewhere. It's like, your whole life's in that dash, isn't it? In, oh. in regards to, like, the birth and death dates. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. It doesn't belong in this movie. No. <laughs> but yeah, the music swells, and then they, uh, the boys... They roll up with Merlin the horse and a sleigh. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they get into a police chase somehow with the sleigh. Um, this takes a good five minutes of our time. Um, long story short, they get away. It's yeah, a police, if you've seen a police chase, it's a police chase. Yeah, Taggart tries to chase them. Richard Jenkins blows out his tires. Um, I did like this is where that was fun. This is where Richard Jenkins has some wine to himself while they're driving after the horse that. I didn't get to see that thing pop up on the turkey. <laughs> Basically, he's upset that he's doing this as opposed to being at home with his wife. Yeah. Um, understandably so. Uh, and he also gets some really anemic incidental dialogue here that's borderline embarrassing. He gives he gives a very Kevin McAllister, yes! Oh, <laughs> but coming that. from a middle-aged man, the, the, yes! Uh, there's Home Alone, just there's... it. There's pieces of it here for some reason. I don't know what it is about Home Alone, but it's it's present somehow. I don't know. Yeah, what I mean, it, is. it was huge. It, it was gigantic. It was a juggernaut. But yeah, the boys escape. They thank Merlin, and I like how John Lovitz is the only one who does not give a shit about the horse. This at is all. okay. I have in huge letters. Save the fucking horse. You don't even have to be like you can be a shitty person and steal from people, but. A, a, a horse is about to drown. No, 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 no. Yeah, so they get out. They get off the horse. They're trying to hitchhike, and it just so happens they left Merlin the horse on a frozen lake or something, and the ice breaks, and the sleigh goes in, and Merlin is freaking out. This is excellent horse acting, by the way. Great horse acting. Uh, he looks genuinely distressed. Hopefully he actually wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, but yeah, the three brothers, like I said, Lovitz is the only one that sincerely just hesitates. He's like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, the three of them help push Merlin off the ice. And uh, I like that there's a hard cut to the exterior of a diner and the horse is just parked in yeah. like, one of the, the car stalls. I was like, that's cute. Yeah, Nick Cage is like, I'm going to give the money back. I'm going to give the Declaration of Independence back. <laughs> uh, and John Lovitz is like, are you fucking stupid? Like, we're, we're stealing the money. You're the person that's going to go to prison for putting the money back into yeah. the bank. And uh, Dana Carvey, uh, who's actually been pretty quiet up until this point. Yeah, big uh, time. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I agree. I agree with that. And uh, and there's nothing really John Lovitz can do, so Nick Cage is like, I'm going to hitch a ride back to town. Yeah, this is where a lot of truths come to light, finally. Um, yeah. This is where John Lovitz reveals that um, everything about, everything that got him here it was fabricated. He's like, you didn't drop your wallet at the grocery. Dana Carvey stole it. Yeah. And... You didn't actually like the police weren't there for you at the restaurant. <laughs> I called. Yeah. I said a sniper was on the roof of your building. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. And yeah. he's smiling the whole time because he's a pathological liar. He can't fucking help himself. And I like that Cage's reaction is just to kind of like get up, and, and they're like just waiting for him to respond. And he's like, okay, and they just flips the fucking table, which is such a dick move because to the restaurant yeah, staff. all the restaurant staff are gonna have to fix that. And he's like, they've got the check. I thought yeah. it was kind of good. But I just love the timing how he just stands up. And he's like, okay. I'm like, he's gonna do something. <laughs> I'm like, I was waiting for it. I was sitting there like, 
hands ready. I'm like, he is going to flip the fuck out, and this is going to be the caging of... And that's it? He just flips a table? Like, okay, fine. Yeah, in a different movie, he would have flipped the fuck out and made a big scene of it. I like his exchange with Vic. He's just like, hey, can I get a ride? And he's like, fuck off. Like, like <laughs> basically. He's like, I'm like giving you a ride. And he's like, really, I'm going... I need to go that way. And they're like, if, if I've got somebody in the trunk, I'm planning on capping... Um, I'm not taking anybody no, else in the car. you just give him a hard no. Keep moving. But John Lovett sees, like, oh, fuck. He yeah. gets into the... <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> he gets into the car with him. He's like, we gotta go. We gotta go get him. Yeah, so Nick Cage is trying to hitchhike. He's trying to hitch a ride back to Paradise. And the only person he can get a ride from happens to be Vic and yeah. Caesar. And uh, it's funny here, because, like, for the first time in the entire movie, Nick Cage is, like, upbeat and, like, yeah. positive. He feels good about what he's doing. He's got doing. the Christmas spirit. Yeah, he feels the spirit. He's, like, excited about what he's doing for the first and maybe only time in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, like, talking very loosely with Vic and Caesar, and he's, like, trying to get to know them a little bit. Vic's like, you're in love, aren't you? And yeah. He picks up on it. <laughs> and uh, at some point, conversation comes up about... Mom. Yeah. Um, oh, he hears the banging in the trunk. He's like, yeah. do you hear that? And you're like, boom, boom, boom. I don't hear nothing. I don't hear nothing. <laughs> no, he's just like, yeah, we've been hearing that for miles. <laughs> um, but I think what what starts things rolling is like they make mention of like a girlfriend or something. He's like, oh, I haven't had a picture of a girl in my wallet for years now. And then they're like, well, what about your mom? And he's like, oh, I got a picture of my mom. And he shows him a picture of his mom. <laughs> Though the uh, He has a line here. He's like, I got a picture of my mom. And he goes... Well, let's compare. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking that, funny. That may have been ad-libbed. <laughs> I, that was good. Yeah, yeah that so. was a good one. Yeah, it's uh, pretty funny. Uh, Cage also shares that, like, yeah, there's this girl in town named Sarah. <laughs> and yeah. Vic's like, mm. uh, yeah. <laughs> there's only one girl in the name, but in town by the name of Sarah. Yeah, we all know that. He jumps like he gets out of the car, doesn't he? Just dude, another good stunt. Yeah, like moving vehicle this dude just like bursts out of the passenger door and like tucks and rolls i i've always wanted to do that uh, a couple of buddies of mine from high school uh they had gotten in a little bit of trouble and they were like 19 at the time and i think one of them had a dui and um the other guy so he wasn't drinking and he was in the passenger seat the other guy who was driving was drunk and was also not supposed to be uh doing any drinking i think for parole as well or like for probation and uh like, they're about to get pulled over by a cop, and he's just like, fuck, man, I think we're going to go to jail. Like, he's just drunk, and my other buddy goes, no, 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 we are not going to jail. You are going to jail. And he opened up the truck door and jumped out of a moving vehicle and ran, ran into the woods. He didn't go to jail that day, but I think he, he's, he's been back since, though. Oh. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I've always wanted to jump out of a moving vehicle. I know it's a bad idea, but, yeah, this is a good stunt. This no, is, it's a legit good stunt. Yeah. And yeah, he escapes and just in time Vic Vic and Caesar drive through Paradise. We're at the entrance of Paradise now. And uh Merlin the horse and the and Nick Cage's brothers, they roll up. They retrieve him. And then we go back to the bank. And Cage confronts Lovitz about Vic cuz he's like Get the feeling you're not telling me something. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like these two guys seem to have it out for me in particular. <laughs> I have my nose. Someone get that fucking horse out of the cold. Seriously, like yeah. get get a blanket on him and get him inside with some hay. I think Dana Carvey slaps him on the ass and he runs just around the corner. That's what I have. Never to be seen again. That's what I wrote it down. Like somebody get him inside. He's gonna freeze to death. <laughs> um, but then they they go in the bank and they're trying to get into the vault. Nick Cage uses the wrong key. Alarm goes off. And I did love the panic that happens where he has two irritating brothers yelling at him while the alarm is going off and he has an entire chain of keys. And he's just trying to go through it. He's like, okay! Yeah. 
Um, like, we've all been there, where it's just like, take when, it down a notch. I think Nick Cage was crying when Dana Carvey was in the, like, when, when uh, he was in the water, and he basically dead. I think he's crying when he comes back to life. He's like, fuck, I was so close <laughs> to being rid of this moron. <laughs> Seriously. Well, what's funny about that is they start off the movie with him having beef with Lovitz, and he's like, I'm okay with you, though. Yeah. The more irritating one. It's like, you got it reversed, Nick. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, but yeah, the alarm goes off, and then we cut to Richard Jenkins at the gymnasium fucking around with a hat. Yeah, that, that was pretty funny. <laughs> he's just doing the thing where he's, like, flipping his head, trying to, like, get it, like, flip the hat without touching it with his hand. Yeah. Um, and then I loved his reaction when the when somebody walks in the room to tell him about the alarm, because, like, he just, like, instantly pops the fuck up, and he's yeah. like, okay, let's do it. Let's go. Um, but then uh, we cut back to the vault, and there are bars, steel bars set up, so they can't get in. So they can't drop the money off. Although they probably could just drop it. They could drop it in the bank. They don't need to put it back in the vault. Yeah, you can just put it in the middle of the room. And yeah. These people seem decent enough that they wouldn't just rifle through the bag and take whatever the Put point. a note on a brick and just fucking, dear Mr. Duncan, yeah. here's your fucking... Sorry about your window. Sorry about your window. You can afford another one. Oh, turtle dove. Turtle dove. Turtle dove. Yeah. God, I hate... Like, even as a kid, I was like, that makes me feel weird. Like, I yeah. don't like it when he says that. Oh, turtle dove. Turtle dove. <laughs> Uh, it's so weird. It's just his voice, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a little weird. But oh, that's that's really sweet of you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> He's dead. Uh, <laughs> um, I have here hostages. John Lovitz is a piece of shit. Where where are we going from here? Um, I'm not sure exactly. I was kind of checking we, out at we, this point. I I'm can like, tell. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at fucking Beetlejuice. Well, it was during one of these slow parts. It was like during the cemetery thing. I'm like, okay, I get it. They're about to go on a chase again. I couldn't give a fuck less about Nick Cage's trying to get a relationship. Yeah, with this guy. yeah. It just no, does not it's matter. It's not that kind of movie. But um, they leave, long story short, they leave the money on the doorstep of the church. Yeah. With a little note saying, hey, sorry, we stole your money. Um, and then Jenkins is following Taggart because I think he picks up the brothers. Yeah, he picks up the brothers because they're excited and I wrote in my notes that Cage has a celebratory dance where he's, like, kicking up his boots. Yeah. And he's just having a grand old time. But then Taggart rolls up on him and makes him get in his, his truck. And then just so happens that Jenkins is following Taggart. And they notice his license plate is uh, D-U-H-171. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm pretty sure Jenkins ad-libbed those where he's just like, So uh, what kind of license plate do you have? And then everyone in the car in unison is like, Dude. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cute. Again, it, it helps when it's coming out of the mouth of a curmudgeon like like Richard Jenkins. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all the parties converge at the Andersons. For whatever the fuck reason, Taggart takes the brothers to the Andersons' house. And then as soon as we walk in there, it just so happens that Vic, Caesar, and Ma already got there beforehand. Yeah. So everyone's like held up in the living room and we can see ma like just sitting there and it's like oh this isn't good taggart gets knocked out uh and then everyone's being held up by vic and caesar um and this is where like confessions start happening where like con- it comes to light like cage finally confesses to mr anderson and mrs anderson that yeah we we robbed we robbed you we stole your money and they give a real we're not mad but we're disappointed look yeah exactly and he does add he does try to soften the blow and say we we gave the money to the church though and it's like hopefully they don't misuse those funds <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but isn't that where it was going to anyway i believe so yeah yeah the during the dinner earlier in the movie mr anderson says that the 
that's an annual deposit. Yeah. Like that that's a once a year thing where everyone in the town just opens an account for just small amounts of money and collectively they all like raise money for the church basically. Um and yeah, Jenkins gets on the megaphone and we have a hostage situation. Uh Timmy, the the slow deputy from earlier in the movie is in there for whatever the fuck reason. Yeah. I didn't know he was that friendly with the Andersons. <laughs> um but I did like <laughs> That when when we're like passing around uh, when we're passing around confessions and whatnot, so like Machinamek like shares that yeah this this gangster guy is my dad, my last name's actually Mazucci. Uh, <laughs> Vic and Caesar actually start bitching about the fact that they only broke out of prison because of this, and they're they're like Caesar's like yeah we could have been back comfortable in prison. What the fuck? <laughs> well yeah he's telling Vic like yeah we put the money back. He's like are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> You stole the money and took it back? Like, yeah, that's, like, crazy talk. But I just like the idea of, like, two guys who successfully broke out of prison are actually upset that they went to the trouble to do that. <laughs> I like, get it. We could have been fine in there. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're breaking out of prison because you're going to steal the money that people stole and then there's no money to steal, like, I'd be fucking living, Big too. Big fucking waste of time. Yeah. I can't escape the country. I'm stuck here now. It's just a matter of time before they get me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, long story short, the hostage situation is resolved because Timmy, the slow deputy, somehow f- works up the courage and the wit to disarm Caesar and shoot Vic. Yeah. Vic falls out the window. FBI guys shoot get, like smoke into the room. And uh, we get a fun little line here with Tripod. (laughs) So everybody's being ushered out of the building. And then the last person to leave the building is Tripod. And Richard Jenkins, like, sees this three-legged dog hobble out of the room. And and he looks to his associate and he's just like, we we didn't do that, did we? (laughs) It's funny because they have on gas masks. And, like, it just, like, where is this going? Like, you just see the dog come into frame and, like... We didn't do that, did we? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I, I'd be concerned. It's like, I, oh my god, I hope yeah. we didn't do that. Jeez. It's pretty. It's pretty funny. I think that was ad libbed. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, but yeah, we go to the police station, and for some reason, everyone in the town files into this back office. And we spend like fucking twenty minutes in this police station. <laughs> yeah, this is this is like the big climax of the movie. Um, and in the meantime, Mention of Mac goes to the church. Uh, to confirm whether or not the money was in fact dropped off, it was. Uh, shit! Yeah. <laughs> Fuck! Ass! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Mrs. Anderson and Deputy Timmy um, are being questioned by Richard Jenkins again in front of the whole crowd and everything. They all claim to not know anything. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, these guys didn't do it. And then Taggart brings up the, the problem with the ski mask. He's like, I remember these guys. I can actually cite all the things that they bought at my store to rob the bank. Um, then Dana Carvey empties his pockets. Apparently, he just has all of those items just on him because yeah. he's a fucking klepto. And yeah, uh, Sarah from upstairs, she shows up and she claims that everybody was with her at Christmas shopping during the robbery. Mr. Anderson corroborates the story. And then the priest shows up with the money. And I love that Richard Jenkins is like slowly getting more and more irritated. Mm. Like the priest is like kind of stumbling over his words while he's holding this big box of money. And he's like, he's like, Oh, you're a priest, and he's and the priest was like, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, and this is he's like, the money. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Like, Put it down. <laughs> like, Put it down. He's just like, yeah, I know. It's the money. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, he knows where things are going. Yeah, he's not happy about, it, but he knows where it's all going. Um, and he looks super pissed, and he, he he wheels a chair over in front of the brothers and like sits down right in front of them, locks eyes with them, and basically tells them like. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I know things are working out for you right now. 
not fuck this up. Yeah. <laughs> um, Basically. And, and yeah, the music swells. Uh, this is the end of every 90s comedy ever. Yeah. Uh, this is the end of UHF. This is the end of Billy Madison. This is the end of Happy Gilmore. Yeah. End of Tommy Boy. <laughs> Mega happy ending. Mega happy ending. And yeah, the music swells. And Ma is proud of her boys. And we're all getting ready to hop on a bus. Except for... Yeah, uh, so everybody's getting ready. Everybody's saying their goodbyes. Um, Sarah upstairs shows up to say goodbye, and Cage, of course, hustles over to her. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's basically asking her to ask him to stay. He's like, how would you feel if, like, he's doing it in a very roundabout fashion. It's slightly charming. Um, And then she, like, gesticulates with her head, and he looks over, and there's a sign that says, all roads are open, which connects back to their exchange at the church slash cemetery about like you know depends on what roads you have open to you and uh can people change whatnot they make out and then i like that ma sees it and her reaction is just to like smile and just get back on the bus yeah and she gets on the bus with the other two brothers they're like well what about cage and she's like yeah he's got a girlfriend now don't worry about it it. (laughs) so ma's very happy because you can tell she's she's a loving ma she just wants her boys to be happy yeah and it looks like cage has got what he wants and yeah the bus pulls out of town and cage says goodbye to his whole family and presumably lives a happy life in paradise yeah until vic comes back yeah i don't think so (laughs) i don't think he lives a happy life Uh, yeah, uh, Roger Ebert said that don't watch this movie if you like. If you want a nice little like crime comedy set around Christmas, watch The Ref, which I a hundred percent disagree with. That movie sucks. What is that? That is Dennis Leary holding hostage Kevin Spacey and some other lady um, around the holidays. He's just stuck in their house. I don't know. And he helps one. them work out their marital problems. Oh, it's fuck. so fucking bad. I can't stand Dennis Ooh. Leary. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, I'd, I've never heard of that. Yeah, the ref. You've yeah. seen the you've seen the front cover. I promise you, you've seen the front cover. Huh? Oh, I'm gonna show it to you. Okay. Because you're gonna be like, oh, that movie? Yeah. Because <laughs> it was definitely uh, one of the VHSs in the. Oh. Yep. Okay. Yeah. You got it. I, I remember that the grocery store. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. I, it's in the same year, 1994. <laughs> yeah, if you don't believe me, you can watch it on your HBO now. Oh, no, I don't need that in my life. No, you're fine. No. Um, but yeah, this is this is not a, a holiday classic by any means. No. Um, it's interesting in that there's so much talent on the screen. It's a little disappointing knowing that. that yeah. It's like, these are all good people that have better in them. And this is not a good representation of what they all bring to the table. But... I don't know. It's kind of a cozy movie in some ways. I agree. There's a yeah. 90s-ness to it that yeah. I really, I kind of enjoy about it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, there's a reason why I think it stuck out to me when I was a kid. It's just like, it has that energy to it where it's it's charming. It's very, it's, it is like as light as it gets. If you name this Trapped in Providence and had it take place in Rhode Island and you got the Farrelly Brothers directing it, completely different movie and it would have been fun it would have been yeah it would have been a classic in 1994 yes big time um it it would have been raunchier it would have been snappier wittier would have been a lot of same cast you could have kept the same cast they could have they could have wrangled it cage and fairly is i I think now now that they're oscar winners like (laughs) i think they win an oscar for green book oh one of the brothers not both i didn't realize they did that I thought maybe yeah. it was for like me, myself, and Irene. The no. raunchiest comedy ever. 
I barely remember that to be honest. Oh, you I remember should... select scenes. Oh, obviously, you should, but... you should dust that off. My, <laughs> my parents took us to the drive-in to see that. They didn't realize what they were getting themselves oh, no. into. There's a lot of stuff. I in remember there. it was amped up, like compared to their previous ones. Oh, there's a grown man breastfeeding in there. Yeah, yeah, I remember. There's dildos and yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. I remember it being a little bit more intense than some of their other stuff. Chicken in somebody's ass. Richard Jenkins is in it. <laughs> <laughs> Connections. Revolution. Revolutions. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't think really anybody needs to see this. No, I wouldn't recommend this movie, but I don't know. It, it's a fun diversion, but certainly not anything that anybody should be in a hurry to see. No. But it was fun for me to revisit just to, like, clarify to myself like was that any good it's like no not nope. really nope. but you know it wasn't the worst thing in the world i've seen far worse movies um but anyway uh thanks so much for listening uh happy holidays or merry christmas or whatever denomination you come from merry christmas <laughs> merry christmas you filthy animal and happy new year <laughs>